Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining us in this Soul Talk. We're talking about Unforsaken with Jesus on the Stations of the Cross in this series during Lent and couple of podcasts back, Bill, I shared about how I was overcome with feeling inadequate, feeling some shame when we were teaching together because I felt like I should have already mastered everything. And that's an acronym for shame. Yeah, should have already mastered everything. Shame. And that causes me shame a lot when I think I should have mastered everything. And I think it's because it puts me in pride. It puts me in the place where I don't need God, right? If I've mastered everything already, I don't need God. But Jesus comes close to to show us his empathy for us in our fallen state, in our inadequacies, in our sins, in our process. He is, he comes, he mediates God's grace to us. And a main cause of this shame that we experience in different ways in different times is repressed emotion parts of ourselves that we uh, if you feel um, hurt if you feel broken if you feel rejected if you feel anxious and you shouldn't feel that way if you feel angry and you're judging yourself about that uh, these kinds of things uh, if you feel guilty over sin or compulsive behavior or a relationship conflict that uh, is not um, you feel stuck in we we tend to fall into shame about that so shame has many many colors many variations many related emotions and w- we see in Jesus cross journey uh, the journey that we call uh, unforsaken Jesus is unforsaken by God you are unforsaken by God in that journey in which we are unforsaken uh, it heals our shame heals our sin and heals our shame. We have titled one of our chapters of our book coming out in September that Jesus is our shame taker. Mm-hmm. And I love that because I need a shame taker <laughs> because shame swallows me. It takes me. Yeah. So let's look at this. Let's go through the journey of the cross in a different way probably than you've ever done that. You who are listening and uh, Christian are going to just touch on each of the 15 stations uh, from the gospel stories of Jesus' cross and how he is our shame taker and how he heals our shame and the many different related emotions. So the first one is Jesus on trial. And this is when Jesus is standing before Pilate. He also stands before the religious leaders, and he is judged. He's sentenced to the cross uh, to be crucified, and he is under the emotions of condemnation and uh, is treated very shamefully, uh, public humiliation, and this whole journey. And he feels those emotions. And the power of that is that when you feel shame, when you feel judged, Jesus went there first. He knows how that feels, and he comes close to you to care for you there. Somebody might be saying, but, but Jesus knew he didn't really do anything wrong, so I don't think he did feel judged or, or condemned, but I think that he did. I think that 
I've felt judged and condemned when somebody's judging and condemning me about something that I know I didn't do. We, we feel that. We're human. We suffer that, even if we know that we're righteous. Yeah, because the only source of shame is not sin. That's one source. But much of the shame that we feel is really, it's like a false shame or it's because of somebody else's sins. And of course, that's Jesus' case. He's taking up our sins, which is a part of the shame that he felt, is that he's, he's carrying the sins of murder and adultery and child abuse and pride and all sorts of evil. Well, and even just we're created as relational people. And when somebody is viewing us as an enemy and as bad and through shame, uh, biologically even it triggers in us, centers in our, in our brain, in our neurology that light up shame. When somebody's angry with us, when somebody's judging us, when somebody's condemning us, Jesus knows how that feels. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, Jesus takes up his cross and he's in horrific pain in carrying that cross. The, The weight of it, the shame of it, the difficulty of carrying that with people surrounding him, mocking him. Jesus feels the, the horrible pain of that trial, but he's able to endure that trial in the kingdom of God. Yeah, he's probably getting splinters in his back. He's already been whipped and, and cut and bruised, and he's bleeding. He, he's near death from the, the 40 lashings mm-hmm. when he takes up the cross. Mm-hmm. And so the, the physical pain... Wait. is excruciating yeah. and um, if you're experiencing physical pain in your body or a loved one is uh, some of us experience chronic pain uh, Jesus is with you in that Jesus cares Jesus goes there for you he takes on pain to love you to em- embrace you in God's presence the third station of the cross is that Jesus falls and we read about Jesus carrying the cross and needing help from Simon, which we'll refer to that in the fifth, fifth station. But from that, we can infer that Jesus fell under the weight of the cross. And that, that's always been the belief throughout uh, human history. And there are prophetic psalms that speak about uh, falling under the weight. And so it's the, the burden uh, of the world is on Jesus' shoulders. And he falls down. And yet his Abba strengthens him. His Abba's love strengthens him, and he rises again, and he continues his crosswalk. And so when we fall by God's grace, by God's hand of grace reaching down to us, we can rise again too. The righteous one falls down seven times and rises again, the proverb says. Jesus went there first. And so when you fall, whether it's in a mistake or if you fall in sin, you can rise again. Jesus knows what it's like to fall under the weight of the cross he, you know, Jesus never sinned, but it doesn't, the Bible doesn't say that Jesus never made mistakes. <laughs> when he was learning to walk, he fell. I don't think they had bikes in that day, but if he'd been learning to ride a bike, he probably would have fallen down riding his bike. And uh, maybe in his ministry or leadership, there he, he, some days he said, you know, I think it would have been better if I would have done it this way. Uh, just because Jesus is sinless doesn't mean he, he never had any uh, struggles he did have struggles. We know that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. He, he was in a journey. He was in a process. And so his perfection, uh, his holiness comes through into all of his life, even his learning process, 
Even he learned obedience from what he suffered, Hebrews tells us. So Jesus was on a, on a journey in, in, in the humanity of that. There were consolations, there were desolations. There were highs and there were lows. And, and there were learnings in that. And so God has grace for us when we fall down and, and reaches a hand down to help us get back on our feet. And then on his crosswalk, Jesus in his overwhelming travail, he he's crying out and Mary comes to him and you know maybe Jesus wanted his mother when we're in pain or hurting we're sick we long for the comfort and the care of our mother and Mary comes to Jesus to comfort him and this shows us the way that God comes to us to comfort us in our suffering and our need yeah the relationship between uh, Jesus and his mother Mary is so so precious and so so powerful, and the, the tenderness that's there, and uh, in many ways she was his first follower, uh, and, and the uh, receiving of the incarnation into her womb from Gabriel's greeting, and let it be to me according to your word, she says, uh, to Gabriel and to God, and to, and to the prophecies of old, to become the mother of the Messiah, and uh, all, all through, tre- treasuring and pondering her heart, uh, Jesus in the early uh, stories of the shepherds and the, the three wise men and, and the different uh, testimonies that her son was the Messiah and watching him grow up and pondering that, telling him those stories, seeing him in the temple at age 12 and in many other situations where he's showing his, his wisdom and his love and what a, a unique and special son he is and that he's the son of God. And she followed Jesus uh, through his life in the Gospels, and she enters into the story at different points, and she enters in at the cross as a faithful follower of Jesus. And we know from church history that she was one of the pillars in the early church, a pillar of faith uh, in Jesus Christ, her son, but God's son, the Savior of the world. And so, yeah, it's a beautiful thing, uh, a touching thing, that is Jesus is feeling the travail, the overwhelming travail of the cross. He experiences God's comfort probably even through his own mother and her love for him. Fifth station of the cross, Simon helps Jesus carry his cross. And we read about that in Mark 15, 21. And offer when we suffer, uh, we feel alone. We feel like the weight's too much for us. As we said, we fall down. Uh, But Jesus shows us how to receive a friend who lightens our load. And isn't that a beautiful thing that Jesus, even as he is doing the decisive act of salvation that only he can do as the son of God, the one mediator between God and man, that even in that he receives help from another human being. The humility of Jesus shows us the humility of God. Mm -hmm. And it's perhaps the most beautiful, uh, really uh, shocking virtue in God, that, that God who is holy and perfect and eternal and glorious is actually humble. And that's what we see in the incarnation. We see that in, in Jesus' cross. In so many places we see that, but especially here at the cross of Jesus. It's, it is humbling to need help and to receive help. And he shows us the grace in gracious way. How to receive help without being in shame. Mm-hmm. Right. Jesus, yes. he teaches us, ask. Yes. You're going to need help. Ask and you'll receive. A seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. And then the sixth day, and Veronica wipes Jesus' face. Jesus is just being hated by enemies. He's being mocked. But then Veronica shows him kindness. 
and shows him empathy. And here we see Jesus' face of love, of his presence, of his empathy. Of course, this story is not in the Bible. This is a legend. It's a beautiful story that teaches a great truth. Uh, It goes along with the Shroud of, of Turin, which is believed by many to be historical. But certainly, again, even if it is a legend, it is, again, this is the cloth that Jesus' bloody face is imprinted onto. And even as a, if it's only an illustration and a metaphor, uh, a legend, is teaching a powerful truth that Jesus bled and died for us. And uh, we do know that there were women that, that comforted Jesus. And uh, that showed him, showed him mercy and care. You could see how one of them would have handed Jesus a cloth mm-hmm. to blot that stinging sweat and blood that was dripping in his eyes and down his face. And you could see how this could happen and how Jesus would receive that, that from, like he received the help carrying the cross, that he would receive that, that comfort, that empathy of that woman so, so much wanting to do something. Because all through Jesus' life in the Gospels, we see that there are, are women who minister to him in different ways, mm-hmm. uh, financially, uh, anointing his feet with perfume, uh, words of, of encouragement, prayers. I mean, there are a number of faithful women, including at the cross, and we're going to come to that in the stations. So the uh, station about Veronica wiping Jesus' face is teaching some important truths that are in the Gospels. Well, and I really like it because I think it shows us of that, well, us having empathy for Jesus matters too. Mm-hmm. He empathizes with us, but I think he's blessed when we empathize with him. Mm-hmm. Jesus falls again. That's the seventh station. Uh, this is another one that we don't specifically know that Jesus fell twice, but three times we're going to be in three of the stations we return to this idea of Jesus carrying the, the cross, the, the, the weight of the cross, the weight of our sin, and in his human journey, uh, he, he falls under the weight of the cross and three times. And that is a point of identification for me because Jesus took on my sin, he took on my death, he took on my hell. Jesus falls into these things on our behalf as our perfect, holy Savior, sacrificing his life for us. And so, because I fall, and I sin, uh, and I have problems in my life, and I feel separated from God, I need Jesus. And so, Jesus falling reminds me of my falling and my need to be lifted up and seeing Jesus each time he gets back up. And so with Jesus, I can get back up. And so it's the, it's the endurance, it's the perseverance that is so powerful in Jesus' cross and him, him, him falling. So it's the emotion here is he's, he's uh, just, uh, he's, he's exhausted. He's struggling under the weight of the cross. He's, maybe he's embarrassed. Not that he should be embarrassed, but that embarrassment works like that mm-hmm. when you, I mean, just if you're crying and snot comes out of your nose, you feel embarrassed. I mean, Jesus... trip and fall, you feel embarrassed. Yeah. Jesus was bruised and bloodied and probably eye half shut from from being hit there. And like Isaiah 53 says, there was nothing to attract us to him. I mean, it it is gruesome, the situation in Jesus' body. And and furthermore, if you can get back into uh, the biblical times in the first century... The way people thought about it was 
no Messiah would, would this, he can't be the Messiah. The Messiah, they, they didn't understand Isaiah 53 to be the Messiah. They, they didn't know what we know. And so everybody's hopes are dashed. And, and people and the, the swell of the crowd in Palm Sunday that is cheering, Hosanna, Hosanna, Jesus is wonderful. He's, he heals our diseases and he'll, he multiplies bread and fish to feed us. And he's going to make Israel great again. He's the long-awaited Messiah. They have a totally misunderstood idea what the Messiah is. They, they, they want a, a political king. They want, they want a mil, military hero and warrior. They, they, they don't want a, a blood-soaked, bruised savior. They don't want somebody carrying a cross and being crucified. And so he, Jesus is extremely unattractive to the people, even spiritually and emotionally and in his soul at this point in time. So that, that, the correlate of that is that you feel embarrassed. You feel rejected. And then Jesus comforts the weeping women. His sadness was met with God's empathy, and he offers it to us. And he, his focus was us crying out to him for God's mercy. Yeah, and the interesting thing in that is that Jesus says to them, well, well don't, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves. And so uh, what, what is he doing there? Because I do think that um, in his humanity, as we're saying, I think he appreciated that people were concerned for him. But, you know, in that day they had professional mourners that would, like, really wail and make a scene. And so that could have been what was going on. But even in just genuine weeping, as they're seeing Jesus suffer, what Jesus knows is that they don't really understand yet what he's done, and they need to uh, weep for their own sins, their own wounds, their own relational conflicts, their own uh, unmet needs for God's mercy. They, they, they need, they, they're not seeing his cross rightly yet. That's not the point. Not seeing ourselves in him and in his suffering under the weight of sin, not yeah. identifying with him and his suffering. He's inviting them to bring their need to him so that he can fulfill what he's doing there uh, with the crosswalk. And I think the other thing that Jesus is saying is, the implication here is, look, I'm just fine. I'm with my father uh, in the kingdom of God. Yes, I'm in immense pain that's horrible, and I'm taking on the sin of humanity. But God loves me. This is the purpose of my life. And I'm, by God's grace, I'm getting through this. And this is the whole reason why I came to earth, uh, that I would go to the cross and be lifted up for all people to see that God loves you forever. So I think that's what's going on there. Ninth station, Jesus falls a third time. The weight of the cross is so exhausting, yet he is resolved to sacrifice his life to reconcile us to God. Jesus is trying to get to the cross. Um, John chapter 12, Jesus says, well, what shall I say? You know, Father, save me from this hour. Uh, you know, I don't want to go to the cross. No, I'm going to the cross. That's why I was sent, is to go to the cross. And Jesus is resolved. He's not trying to get out of the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane or at any point. He's trying to make it to the cross for us. That's the whole purpose of his life is the cross that leads into the resurrection for you and for me and for all people who will trust him. And then the 10th, the soldiers strip and abuse Jesus and his body's broken for us because he's 
tortured to death, but he still is able to, um, in his anger, he's able to speak the truth in love. And he speaks words of peace and forgiveness, even in the midst of the natural response of being angry when somebody's abusing you. Yeah, and so that's um, very powerful. Uh, it's just a um, very important station of the cross. It is often not understood because when we experience abuse, we often go into shame. Um, it's the fight, flight, freeze. Uh, sometimes we fight back and abuse as we've been abused or get angry as someone was angry at us or someone cursed us, we curse them back or someone's mean to us, we mean to them back. Um, and that, that's the, the, the fight response to a threat or stress or abuse uh, or we we freeze in shame or we run in fear and jesus doesn't do any of those things so uh furthermore he shows us assertiveness he shows us how to speak the truth in love so famously jesus is silent before his accusers and so he in those scenes we see him as secure and non-defensive and uh, willing to just uh, be quiet and, and entrust his fate to, to God and let God speak truth to somebody. But in other situations, he says, you know, well, why did you slap me? Did I say something wrong? And we read that in, in John's gospel because uh, remember, as we said in the earlier podcast in the series, that uh, John shows us Jesus victorious and shows Jesus very assertive. He even begins his gospel with uh, the cleansing of the temple because he's showing the, 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 the power and the strength of Jesus. And even through the cross journey, he shows us Jesus speaking the truth in love. And uh, he's anything but Casper milk toast. He is not, like, not wishy-washy. He, he is strong. He is assertive. Uh, the cross didn't overtake Jesus. Jesus seized the cross. Uh, he, he was uh, very directive. And so even in the context of that abuse, uh, in all the manifestations of the abuse being... Uh, physically abused with beatings, being sexually abused with, with made naked or almost naked, uh, being uh, relationally abused, the spiritual abuse of sin. Through all these, these abuses, Jesus is in, in God's love and in God's grace, and he has a security and he has a confidence. And so Jesus doesn't fall into shame in like an overwhelming way that he can't get out. He doesn't fall into uh, a fear that sucks him out into quitting and giving up. Uh, he doesn't react in anger. So Jesus has these emotions, but but they don't control him, and they don't they don't take him out of his purpose of continuing the crosswalk for us to love us to love all people. Jesus crucified with two thieves. Jesus' body is broken for us on the cross, and he's again hearing uh, insults from the thieves and they're writhing in pain. Jesus is in pain, but he's not writhing in the same way. His, his body is experiencing the same level of pain. On top of that, he has all the spiritual pain, but Jesus has a source of comfort and strength and grace and hope that they don't have. And as they watch Jesus, one of those two thieves comes to trust in Jesus and um, we read that in the gospel stories and meditating on that is so powerful that even at the last hour, someone can come to Jesus and be won over by his love. So as Jesus crucified with two thieves, we see his hope. He has hope in paradise. 
uh, that he offers to the thief. Today you'll be with me in paradise, he says. Jesus' testimony and witness to that and extending his grace and mercy in his worst suffering is so so inspiring, so amazing. And he is, it's showing his confidence in God, even, even there. And that's this, this next point here too, and that Mary and John are watching Jesus die. And that even though Jesus probably felt forsaken by God and this terrible pain and suffering, he, he chose to trust him anyway, as we just talked about, even with what he said to the thief shows that you'll be with me in paradise. But he's also, I think, receiving from his soul friends there who are with him at the cross. I think he's receiving some of God's love through their presence there. Yeah, and again, uh, Mark tells us all the disciples deserted and fled, and that's one view on it because either at one moment they all did or in one sense they all did because almost all of them did. But, but what John shows us is that uh, Mary and himself, he doesn't name himself, he refers to himself anonymously uh, as the disciple Jesus loves, which is just so beautiful, the, the humility of that and the finding his identity in Jesus' love there even at the cross. So Mary and John, and Jesus puts them together as mother and son, uh, his, his, his earthly mother and his um, best friend disciple, John, and he puts them together as, as mother and son. And so they were, they were faithful to Jesus. And so even as Jesus felt forsaken by disciples, by friends, by followers, I mean, where were all the people that were praising him on Palm Sunday? And none of them were uh, praising him in that moment. None of them were loving them. Well, actually, Mary and John were. And, and maybe there were a few others. And so Jesus takes comfort from the few that were faithful uh, certainly they represented to him the faithfulness of God as Father that would never leave him or forsake him, as we have promised in the Scriptures, that the Lord will never leave you or forsake you, we read in Hebrews and in the Psalms. And then it's such an amazing thing that Jesus in his, his worst suffering, out of him, we're talking about these ways that love flows out of him, love for the soldiers, love for the thief next to him, love for his mom and his disciple in putting them together, caring for them, showing concern for their future, knowing that they're going to have to walk through pain and grief. The 13th station is Jesus' body is taken off the cross. And here we see Jesus emotionally and spiritually in a place of just totally letting go, totally relinquishing. Uh, he gives up his life. He says, uh, the way Luke describes it, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. A total submission, total trust uh, in the love of his Abba Father who is there with him uh, at the cross in spirit. And uh, in, the, in reality, the Father is near, looking towards Jesus with love. And Jesus trusts this. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And uh, in eternal love, God holds Jesus and us. Then the 14th station, Joseph puts Jesus' body into his own tomb. Uh, and our sinless Savior probably visited hell. He entered our greatest fear, emptiness, and 
despair. And for us, he was victorious. He entered into all that and he went through it and comes out on the other side. And that whole scene of Jesus' body being put into a tomb uh, evoked uh, so much grief for his, his friends and his followers. And as it does for us when we lose a loved one and uh, their body is put into a casket. And uh, so the feeling, many feelings of grief and fear that can go with that. Uh, and yet Jesus moves into that with a positive emotional, spiritual trust of relinquishment. And uh, he, uh, Father, into your hands, I let go. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And that's a prayer that we can pray about many things in life that we need to let go of. The ultimate being our, our physical, earthly life. But there are different things in our life, our family, our work that we want, that we pray for, that sometimes they don't come true, uh, expectations that we want. And so loving God anyway, trusting that God loves us anyway, Father, into your hands I commit this situation. Father, if it doesn't turn out the way I want to, I, I trust that you are loving anyway. That's Jesus' attitude, is total submission. I totally trust my life, my, uh, my resurrection, my eternity. I totally trust that into your hands, Father. And then the 15th station, this is what we celebrate on Easter, Jesus rises from the dead. The resurrection of our Lord, our source of all hope and victory and joy and love and peace. And and he's with us. And we will be resurrected too with him. And that's that's our hope in, in all of our life and our suffering. And we've just gone through these stations really briefly, just with a sentence on each. We invite you to go deeper. We invite you to enter in more. We invite you to get this booklet from the soulshepherding.org. Click shop. It's right there available to you in book form or as a, a digital resource. And spend some time meditating on each of these stations and interacting with the Lord. There's prayers that will usher you and start conversations for you with Jesus and and more. But as we finish this Soul Talk, I want to just, in summary, read some of the emotional states of pain that Jesus experienced in each of these these stations of the cross and then each of the positive emotional states that he experienced too because what you're what you're reminding us Bill and what you show us in Jesus is unforsaken that it's for it's with the sake of joy that Jesus endured the cross with his eyes on the resurrection and our redemption. So, Jesus, we thank you that you were willing to feel condemned and judged, that you experienced horrific physical pain, that you felt the burden of the world, sin and shame, failure, rebellion, that you travailed and overwhelming grief that you felt alone in your suffering that you experienced contempt and being hated and overtaken and abused by your enemies that you felt the shame and embarrassment stripped naked falling under the weight of the cross 
that you felt sadness for us, for others who needed your mercy, that you felt exhausted from the weight of your suffering of the cross. But you felt angry at injustice and abuse and evil and sin. That you felt brokenness in your body. That you were forsaken and betrayed and rejected. You felt the relational pain. You felt fear and emptiness and despair of sin even going down to hell for us. And yet you relinquished. You let go. You let go of the good attachments even to your, your mother, Mary, to your beloved disciple, John, to the, the power and influence that you'd had, to the health, the beauty you'd enjoyed on earth. You relinquished your soul. In faith to your Father, you let go. Jesus, thank you for suffering, for entering our suffering. And then thank you for your resurrection and for even on your cross journey, showing us your confidence in the Father, your joy in God's kingdom, that you were strengthened by your Abba, receiving God's comfort, letting a friend lighten your load, receiving kindness from others, taking the courage to get up again when you fell, receiving God's empathy through others, being resolved to obey the Lord and to sacrifice your life, finding peace and forgiveness even for your enemies, putting your hope in paradise and sharing that hope with the thief and with us, trusting God even when you felt forsaken, relinquishing your spirit into the eternal love of God, into your Father's hands, for being victorious over Satan, and for being the source of our hope, faith, love, joy, and peace in rising from the dead. Thank you, Jesus. How we praise you. How we worship you. You are worthy. Amen. Friends, we have a blessing for you. We would just love for you to get a copy of Unforsaken, Journeying with Jesus on the Stations of the Cross. This book has just been truly life-changing for me. You get up close and personal to Jesus in each of the gospel stories that refer to the various uh, stages in his journey with the cross and just the experience of forgiveness and love and grace and mercy and peace is uh, so powerful. Just wave after wave of Jesus meeting us in the challenges and hurts and trials and sins of our lives today. So it's a short read uh, or you can linger over it. Uh, even lingering, it only takes about an hour to read through the Unforsaken booklet. We just so want you to know that with Jesus, you are unforsaken. The Father's embrace is around you, loving you right where you are. That's the message of the cross of Jesus. And you can get a copy of Unforsaken at soulshepherding.org. You can just follow the link in the show notes here. And we have that as a digital 
booklet or a physical booklet. We'd love to send you a copy, so check that out. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 